Okay, you made it this far. Well done. Now, welcome to part two of me chatting with the mighty Darren Matthews, where we talk about um, East Belfast GAA and lots of other stuff. Enjoy, everybody. Couple of uh, little new kids in our house, and uh, won't, go, won't go into that. But um, my, uh, my 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 tired quotient has gone through the fucking roof. <laughs> but here, so so um, the comedy thing. Um, no, you live in Belfast now, right? I do. I live in South yeah. Belfast. Yes. Yeah, you live you live in Belfast now. So. I wanna. We're gonna skip forward a bit. So you're obviously still a stand-up comedian as much as you can be, which is not at all. During not times, at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's much like myself being a musician. It's just, it's a, it's it's like being a, a soothsayer. It's a trade that doesn't exist anymore. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> fucking druid. Yeah. <laughs> druid. Uh, yeah. uh, um. So. One of the big things I would say, certainly in your public life, that's that, that's um, notable, is your involvement with East Belfast GAA. Yeah, yep. I uh, I joined the team last year when it formed. It's a fantastic bunch of lads and ladies. Unbelievable, un fucking believable achievement. And again, somebody had to do it, right? Somebody had to set the gig up. Somebody had to book the band, and somebody did. Can yeah. you explain uh, how this come about, real quick? The explanation, like most people, was I saw a tweet. So an East Belfast GAA um, Twitter account appeared, and uh, the guy who came up with it were two lads actually, like a Richie McGuire and a guy called Dave McGreevy. Dave is from Teconnacht in County Down, down near Downpatrick, and Richie I think is from Carry Duff. And the boys were just because they both live in East Belfast. And like myself, David lived in London for years. Dave was actually the captain of the London team that reached mm. the Comet final. That played, they actually played Mayo in 2013. So wow. Dave and Richie have been Gales all their lives. Um, Dave moved home, basically, like myself, a mm. few years away, come back. He was living in East Belfast, and he was like, "There's has anyone ever had a team over here? And there was a team there. I think the last Gaelic team in East Belfast was about 40 years ago. That's under, that was one of my next questions I wanted to ask you. Was there ever a team in East Belfast? So yes, there was. There was a team there, but you know, basically by 1972, they were out of existence as the people of mm. Belfast polarized themselves and moved mm. areas and ghettoized. Mm. Uh, so that team no ceased to exist. So, um, uh, but what that, that actually that was one of uh, I think it was St. Column Kills, but I'd, I'd need to double check that one. I, I have read. I, I remember reading up about it because there was somebody got in touch with us that their like their dad played for the team, and I was like, that's class. I was like, if you got mm. kids, fucking, we're starting a youth setup. Send them over to us. Mm. but um the closest team kind of around that boundary uh there's a team in hollywood and then you've got breda which is kind of where south belfast nearly becomes east belfast their cherryville playing fields so this was Aye. a new project basically Aye. but the project was set up and i think a lot of the pull of it as well was that it was set up to encourage people who had never played before so it was like is there an interest because obviously east belfast now is actually a, a completely cultural mixing pot sure. different nationalities different people from all over so we have we have players from all around the world all around the country every county you know what i mean uh, people from the north people from different uh, religious backgrounds people from different political backgrounds and that's fine the thing that unites us is that we just love a kickabout 
Aye, and and what, what, one of the things I found very interesting is I, I do is this still the case? I remember I, again. I, I remember seeing those tweets at the time as well. I think you actually might have started sending me them straight away, and I started following immediately. Um, they uh, with the demographic of the team. One of the early goals was that if there's not a Protestant on the team, a team doesn't fail. Is that right? Well, we're doing our best, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's pretty much like if... Uh, it's, you know, it's really weird as well, because we, we thought it was going to be, oh, we'll, we'll try and do that, so we'll, we'll you know reach the hand into East Belfast and say, who wants to come and try? And it became that thing where it was just that nobody ever fucking offered. It wasn't <laughs> that uh, it wasn't that the two were just like, no, you can't do that. We, we had one or two of the boys join because that was... Um, uh, I talk about my mate Nathan, who who's actually coming to try hurling this year. He, he played football last year. He's a fucking he's a weightlifter, and we put him in corner back. And I was like, see when this boy figures out what he's doing, he's gonna be fucking deadly. Big <laughs> strong lad. <laughs> no, really, I, we he played a he played an OE fucking we played a reserve match against a team from North Belfast, and uh, fucking Nathan knew what he was doing once he once he got a hurl of the foul a few times. I was like, this, this boy's gonna be good. Um, I actually Nathan's the guy I talked about. I, there was an article done in the Irish News. Um, about the team and about me doing comedy and, and sort of mixing the two uh-huh. and I told the story about I swapped Nathan I gave him a spur hurl of mine and he gave me a Northern Ireland jersey Aye. and I was like happy days and then I said I'm right there's your hurl and he went to me oh I can't take that home with me I was like oh shit yeah because <laughs> he, he can't you know he, he like cycles up and down the training so he can't fucking cycle through and I was like that's that's grim but I yeah. still really appreciate that he's come to the club and he's a, a fucking we've, throwback. the boys that that's have joined. Throwback. Yeah. The boys that have joined are absolute legends. Like um one of the boys on the board who is uh uh I'll not name him because I slag him all the time. Um our basically our public relations officer is a Linfield fan. So people are just like, oh, um, this is a, a anyone who would sort of discredit us or say that you, you know this is just a my favorite thing we've been called is a Trojan horse in the East Belfast. That was amazing. Aye, that's and an, an IRA recruiting ground. Yeah, that's which is weird as well because I would say politically anybody who even is of a nationalist background definitely isn't overly Republican. We just well, ex- love the sport, man. Uh, it's that ex- it's the wrong place to be. You know? ex- <laughs> you exact, exactly, and um, but in in the in the early days there was a there was a bomb scare at the ground at the training ground. That right? Uh, yeah, there was um a basically a, is that a phone warning or something after football one evening so the, the cops mm. had to come up and close the training ground and the boys all and then whatever was there secured it and it was all hoax devices and stuff but that was mm. that turned out to be just one lone dickhead so Aye. that's all right everyone's got a facebook account and stuff so they were able to be that was easy to find out and stuff and yeah you're not talking about is, fucking geniuses here no we're definitely not and at the same point as well as um whenever that happened there was a lot of press about it and then we kind of decided the club's really good because we have a very good board and a committee and stuff and um <clears throat> and we have subcommittees every team's got a committee it's very very well structured straight away we were just like fuck there's a lot of people we need to figure this out mm. so like i'm the social rep for the hurling uh and the players rep for the hurling so i represent us from the board if there's anything the team needs i go to board meetings or well yep. i go to zoom meetings uh yep. it's very well structured and and with that kind of thing was whatever stuff like that happens we kind of just don't give it oxygen we we're like nah fuck that that's fine and um mm. whenever that happened as well because the idea was because we were training in east belfast at a place called henry jones mm. the hurling team we decided we were going back to train up there because we were like we can't if we let this work that's how that is how terrorism works so we we're going to go back and train up there and we never had any issue before or since brilliant, 
brilliant. Obviously, absolutely correct. And then if you allow that to happen, then you're going to have nowhere to train eventually. Yeah, you're going to be on the back foot the whole way. So we were just Aye. like, no, look, anybody comes and says anything to us, we've got sticks. Fuck them. So uh, good man. And um, and Linda Irvine, the the Irish language uh, unionist Gilgore campaigner who has set up the Irish language uh, school in Belfast, is on the board as well. Uh, yeah, Linda is our uh, honorary Uchtaram. So she's the president Aye. of the club. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I think was very funny because Linda at the time she was like, I, I don't know what a president of a GA club does. And we were like, <laughs> Mostly fuck all. You've got a committee for that, so don't be worrying, Linda. But Linda was great. She kind she kind of legitimized us as well. I mean, yeah. Linda is the wife of Brian Irvine and uh, mm. her David Irvine was her brother-in-law. And mm. um what's mad is as well, any any bad press we got, Linda's Linda's had this and worse. We have a we, I mean, we're a team in an organization that puts up with us, you know, when people are Aye. sort of talking down about us but like linda did all this whenever she started she's like, she was like i'm gonna teach irish language in east belfast and the fucking uproar about that oh. there they are they have people there's Balls people in east belfast now who went who went to the tourist project which linda runs and are now doing degrees in irish in yeah. queen's university yeah that's fantastic and it's exactly what's needed as well those sorts of things those sorts of outreach you know that it's it's this it's this for me i like yourself i'm a fan of the language and i i study it and as much as i can and you know it's 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 a part of me culturally and and it's i feel it's speaking to me in my bones as well i don't know you know it's, my, it's probably my poetic imagination but um it's this whole thing that you know whenever you you see the uproar or any backlash against something like the irish language or irish culture for me, what it does, it doesn't threaten my culture. It doesn't threaten the Irish language. It just is indicative of how weak and fearful you feel of your own culture, which means that there's more. There's more. We need. To, well, I say we. I don't want to use we and us and them that those like those words. But there needs to be more outreach done, exactly like Linda's doing to say, listen, there's nothing to be afraid of here, and that is a Trojan horse. To use uh, to use your words, that is a real Trojan horse because there's there is literally nothing here to be afraid of. Yeah, I, I also don't um uh I don't want to come on for basically you and I to be a fucking uh you know the the echo chamber of of all the good and we got we got a fair bit of jip as well from mm. and it was it really made me sad as well because I've been a Gale all my life I've I've played Gaelic sports in fucking different countries i've met gaelic teams in asia that are set up for that where you know there's people playing all around the world so why the fuck is there a team in singapore south africa and there's none in east belfast you know there's leagues in new york and boston and cities all across the u.s and canada i played in toronto for st michael's i played in um, perth for greenwood i played in new zealand for the michael cusacks these are all things that are that are amazing but what made me really sad was that I was like, right, we're fully expecting a backlash of you know people being like, oh, you're playing hurling, you're in the IRA. One of the backlashes we got was people complaining. Our badge has Ulster Scots on it, uh -huh. and we got grief with that. And I was like, right, no matter what you think of Ulster Scots, we are trying to be an outreach here and invite people in. So I'm not going to fucking tell anybody who lives in East Belfast. They're just like, you can come play with us, but you can't say that. So our badge says together mm -hmm. in. It says it in English, it says it in Irish, and it says it in Ulster Scots. So it's mm -hmm. uh, together, Lakela, Oskelega, and then in Ulster Scots is the Gither. So that's yeah. what we have on there. We we got grief about that, and I was like, "Oh, you're fucking kidding me!" 
So people who, I would say anybody who pertained to saying that they were a gale and giving us grief for inviting people to play can fuck off. So Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, no, no sex in a society has a fucking, um, has, has a monopoly on idiots. They're everywhere. And yeah. if you can't extrapolate that the Irish language, ha it has been, you know, suppressed over the years. There's no doubt about it. And then you've got this organization that's saying, okay, well, listen, we're going to put a bit of Ulster Scots in here and this is going, we're going to try and do a bit of, and then you can't extrapolate that same suppression that you're doing because you've got a hurl in your hand. You're, you're, you're fucking yeah. right. You're literally an idiot. I mean, it's, it, it doesn't, those people ignore them. They're, yeah oh i did that as well i mean even then if somebody if somebody's taking the idea where they think that a sport belongs to you know you can only play that if you're catholic or protestant i always point out that hurling existed whenever we were worshiping gods and the trees yeah. and the mountains and the lakes hurling's yeah. fucking thousands of years old it predates christianity so fuck off yeah, exactly i want i've got a question from someone on i don't even know how to it's it's a series of letters and then a number LX, it, I think it was like a Roman numeral thing on Instagram, and they sent me uh, a question for you because I did, I did mm -hmm. reach out. A couple of good folk got in touch. This is the first time I've done this, so it's all new to me. You'll have to forgive me for being so fucking amateurly shit. But the question is, uh, hurling or football? This is. This does break my heart a wee bit, but I've 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 wrestled with this for many years, and I have to say, hurling is by far a superior sport. Oh, controversial! But obviously, growing up in Armagh, we're fully a footballing <laughs> county, so it's like, uh, and I didn't I didn't play hurling for years as well. I, I played yeah. when I was a kid, and then stopped, and then was just playing football. And then when I was, for a time when I was playing in the band, it wasn't playing anything. But mm. I mean, the excitement of it all, hurling. Uh, how would you put it? Football, I think, has not even progressed, evolved in a, in a different way, whereas Harlan's just still get out there and fucking score 30. You know what I mean? So it's, yeah. it's the excitement of all. I, being back playing Harlan's actually great. I, I can't believe it. It's one of those ones where I can't believe I stopped where I played my first game. And I was like, why did I ever stop playing that? It's just... Right. And you know what? It's, really, it's a really strange sport. It's one of the only sports in the world where you will end up getting hurt worse if you're a bit of a card or a bit yellow. You know what I mean? When you're going in for a ball... It has to be all in because if you stand back, someone's going to. Yeah, you want to be in close on someone when they're swinging that thing. <laughs> Absolutely, you want to be in close. But like we played, um, one of the games we played was against. Is it St Malachy's in Portadown? The hurling team down there. They were. I never realized because I don't. I don't remember playing them when I was a kid. We we played, um, but maybe that was them. We played a team on the Garvahi Road. There was a hurling club there. I remember playing them years ago. And I remember actually playing a game against them when Drum Cree was on. So this was about maybe 96. I was playing like an under 12s match. Oh, fuck. And we're playing a hurling match in the Garvahi Road and there's 15,000 Nordsmen in the field. <laughs> oh, my God. Not I, remember, I remember lining out and being like, are we okay? Because, you know, oh, like we had to drive through checkpoints to all to get that. And the, and the wee lad who was from yeah. Portadown, obviously he saw this every year. He was like, I'll be dead on. <laughs> right. It's okay. Just let them go. So yeah, so so hurling for uh, 
Hurling's a probably more superior sport. Football is what I am better at, but I'm still not a good footballer. So that's what I would answer. Well, okay. What about you? You a football man? Uh, well, I, I haven't played football, GAA, or... I didn't hurl as a kid at all because, as you said, there was no there was no hurling around here. There's a Sean Tracy's club here. I don't even know how old they are, but there was the, me growing up. There was no hurling at all, despite being, you know, I was raised here in North Lurgan, and it's a fairly, you know, it's a fairly Republican nationalist area. Well, nationalist area, and there's a Republican, hmm. definitely strong Republican element there always was, but there uh, hurling didn't exist. I mean, it was practically invisible. But the one thing I was going to ask you too, leading into this, leading on to that, leading on from that, the uptake in Hurling recently, I see around here, it's been massive. I mean, massive. I Good. I, I I live within three hundred meters of two big clubs. There's St Peter's up the road, Neve Patter, and Clan Iron is just a couple of hundred meters up the road. The Clan Iron was my club when I was a boy. And I, as far as I was aware, hurling didn't exist. It wasn't a sport anyone played. And just recently, I've seen boys in the handball courts with hurls and slithers there and, and, and knocking the ball again in the wall. And very good at it, they are. I mean, obviously, they're hurlers. They know what they're doing. But I never remember being aware of them in the past. And then recently, there's been yeah. uh, social hurling. Which I fully intend to join. I I go out to the park and knock the ball, knock the ball about with my, my nephew and stuff. But I'm going to join the social hurling when it opens back up again. But it has taken off like gangbusters all over Ireland. Half pace hurling. Yep. Brilliant idea. Absolutely fantastic idea. I think it's a similar idea to the um the GA implemented a program for ladies football called Gaelic for Mothers and Others. Mm. And it was basically just, it's a social event. There's no, you know, fuck. Don't be worrying about winners and losers and the whole thing. It's just promotion of sport and getting you active, getting you out of the house. Half-Pace Hurling's the same. Half-Pace Hurling's a lot of guys. They have it up here in Belfast. One of my mates, another comedian, Paddy McDonald, plays it. And oh, he's yeah. like, you'll be playing against a lot of guys who are, like, in their day, they were probably unreal hurlers. So they don't have to run too far. They can, you know, they can land a ball on a sixpence down the eye into the field. Like, so Aye. that's the point of it. It's just, it's kind of... They have it in they have it in different countries. When I lived in Canada, they had um, social hockey for guys, you know, like older gents, like boys. So there's no no like body checking or harsh tackling. Yeah. But it's great. It's it just it literally lets people keep a heart on their hand for ten years extra because you know what it's like. I'm sure plenty of your mates play a guy, and whenever you stop yeah. that, what do you do then? You're just well. That's that, it. That, that, that's very interesting because I am of as you say. I mean, I, I've I've got a few years on you, and one of the things that I've noticed, my generation. Uh, with regards to physical activity, let me put it that way. The, even the decade, the Jack, the decade before me, you got to a certain age, you stopped. I mean, you literally stopped. You didn't do anything. There was, you didn't go to the gym. Yeah. You didn't go running. You didn't go do whatever the fuck it is. You didn't do it. You retired. You quit. And we know now because of physiology. What happens to your body when you do that? We know the, the mental health positive benefits of physical activity. So you end up taking that on board as well. And just in a just in the space of a decade of a shift of attitude. And I think what happened was people got the 35, 36 or whatever age they managed to play to or to, to, to participate to. And they just went, why have I to stop? I don't want to stop. I, I want to carry on. I, I get that I can't. I'm not 25. I'm past my peak, 
but I'm 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 not I'm not done yet. I want to carry on playing. And in a few years, I think that's all changed. People are going, no, I'm not. I, I refuse to quit. I refuse to quit. And that's what's brought all this stuff on. Yeah, well, that's that's the way to do it. I mean, I um, I think I'm one of the, I'm one of the older boys at the club. Like I'm 35. There's lots of boys that are flying fit in their twenties, and lots of the new guys who've never played before are sort of early twenties and stuff. And it's great to see as well to be active because I do worry that there is a modern generation, and, I, and I'm as bad for it. I can't fucking say anything about basically screen time. So fucking football is great in that as well. Whenever the club started. I um I went to football and, and hurling. So what I was doing was I was a footballer, and then one night a week I was going to hurling as well to help me get fit and just just to have a bit of fun. Because yeah. we you can take off into groups of who's played before and who hasn't played before. We'll do we'll do different variations of the same drill, and then all hang out in the middle and play a game after, which is great because the best way to do it is just to play it. You can teach people the skills and and drills and all, but the best way to figure it out is in the game. Um, but I mean there are there have always been guys guys like Mickey Linden the down footballer Mickey was playing he might still be playing he's in his 50s he would play for the seconds team in Mayo Bridge where he's from um, Stephen McDonnell the the Armagh forward who was in school with my brother Stevie still does nets for the Calibi seconds and um, Stevie's 40 and he would you know if there's we, we uh, my club at home the someone played them in a junior championship match and anytime there's a free kick Stevie would trot up out of the nets kick the ball over the bar and walk back down <laughs> <laughs> so there's there's a place for you if you want if you want to be involved and you want to be playing a lot of guys go into coaching and stuff but yeah. a lot more people are i'd rather be still playing as well i'd like to still be playing it's, it brings a great joy to me like well, well exactly i mean my uh, to, to, to to fall back on what you asked you asked me a quick about sports and stuff you know i grew up the same as yourself playing you know the, the ball sports at the schools and all the rest of it and clan Iron was my club up the street here when i was a child um but i wasn't I I was I wasn't sort of I never got the I I would say I never got the the mentor and the support from my dad or whatever you know bringing me up to the club. My dad was a great one for falling out with everybody, so he would fucking he would <laughs> he, he he would fall out with somebody in the bar and then pull his kids out of the club. You know what I mean? Is your dad my dad? He's not going. You aren't going up there, them fuckers. You know what I mean? That sort of you know. He goes, no, I just want to play football, and so there was all that sort of stuff going on. But I did play did play from the schools and the you know. A, Play for Clanner and all the rest of it, but I grew up. We grew up doing judo and cycling and all this sort. Of, this is the sports that we grew up with. Um, but uh, the, the thing that I've noticed, uh, with especially with cycling, cycling would be my main sport. But the the amount of fellas that I grew up with that all were footballers, be it soccer players or GAA men. They're all into triathlon and Ironman and marathons and extreme distance events. I've got and they're all and they're all just you know footballers. Back in the day, it was you, you played football and you drank a lot. Those two things went hand in hand, and you you know you didn't accept uh, uh, at elite level, of course, but uh, even at elite level to be fair. But these boys were just like me. We're all fucking about and all the rest of it. And then they get married, they have a couple of kids, they settle down a wee bit. The best playing days is behind them. So they now turn to Zen Buddhism and fucking Iron Man. <laughs> and this is what all my, all my muckers around here are all doing. I'm not joking. I've got mates here during lockdown for charity, ran 100 miles in their backyard. Around, literally around a Jesus. fucking washing Literally around a washing line. <laughs> now that takes serious mental strength. Never mind the physical strength. To be able to do that, yeah. 
But this is what this is this is what I mean. This is what I'm thinking about with these guys. These guys are all in their forties and their fifties, or getting into their fifties, and they're not quitting. They're going. I'm not bollocks to that. We go and jump on the lock every Saturday morning now. So we all go. We'll do our various things. Some of us will go for a bike ride and go and do two hours on a bike, or go and do a ten mile run or whatever it is, and then just make our way down to the this place on in, uh, on Loch Ness and jump in, and it's minus three. <laughs> It's, but it's brilliant. But this is, you know what I mean. That's what I was kind of getting at. But people not quitting. They're not. They're, I said, no, no, fuck that. I'm. So, you say I'm supposed to stop at thirty-five. I'm not quitting. I'm. I'm just. I'm pushing on here. There's going to be something for me out there that's going to work. Yeah, I think. I think the more people do that, you'll end up like whenever I live. When you live in bigger cities, and I play a bit of soccer as well, and you would there would be like over thirty-five teams. When there's bigger population, there's more room How's for this. There's. My knees are okay. I, there'd be a lot of time I would crack when I stand up. <laughs> but but not too bad. I was laughing as well. There, you said like you would have done judo and cycling whenever um, you were younger. In my house, there's four boys, so we had to pretty much play whatever sport the one pair of boots could do you for. So everyone got a new, everyone got a pair of boots, and it was that was I could play sports. I could play when I was a kid and used to uh, Gaelic football. I played football. I played hurling, and I played rugby. But I didn't have proper rugby boots. I just had my football boots. So when there was like a scrum, you just be getting pushed back down the field. <laughs> that was really weird. The first pair of football, football boots I got was a pair of rugby boots because they were cheap. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> you would have fucking killed somebody. I know. It's terrible. But oh, they'll last you far longer, son. I, said, I want a pair of football boots. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, like you were in a judo on bikes. My ones couldn't afford the fucking gear of the bike. So it was like you'd be playing oh, well. football. <laughs> Uh, well, to, to be fair, um, all my bikes when I was a kid they were all borrowed. I did the first ever triathlon in Ireland when I was fourteen. Fuck for plenty. Where was that? Uh, it was in Craigavon. It was in Craigavon Leisure Centre, and I could sw- I could swim like a fish. Uh, I, I, I always say I could swim like a fish. The problem is I run like one as well. <laughs> 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 and and it was great on the bike. And I was actually first out of the pool when I was fourteen. Because we're talking to my brother about this because he does Ironman now. And he's brilliant. He he he's just emigrated back from from San Francisco. He was living there for for years with his young family. They're all back home in Ireland. Funny what we were talking about. They always want to come home. So he's all brought them all back home, and they they're just absolutely loving it. But he finished something in the Golden Gate Triathlon, which is you know a mecca for tri- for triathlon. He finished like that's third. Like, he finished third. Jesus, that's like the fucking swimming under the Golden Gate Bridge and all that, isn't it? Ah, yeah, 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 all that shit. And and he he's he's a machine, like. But um, yeah. we were talking. I was talking with him the other day, and I finished. I did the first ever triathlon when I was fourteen. I was in the leisure center, and I just saw a poster on the wall. Didn't never heard the word triathlon in my life, and just looked at yeah. it. And went, I like the look of that. I think I'll do that. I obviously, had no idea what I was letting myself in for. I was first out of the pool, and the the attendant went, "No, you you must have cheated." But one of the <laughs> one of the people, because there was a swimming club and all, and I was out in front of them, and yeah. The, the uh, one of the people from the triathlon organization went, no, he, he's good. I've been watching him. I've, I've counted his laps and that was good. So I was out first and then I powered away on the bike and then I fucking went backwards on the run, which and that, and that ability has stayed with me to this day. Yeah, yeah. my uh, my older brother, Declan, he's tackled a few triathlons, the Crooked Lake Triathlon in Camla. He's done oh, that a couple I, of times. Yeah, I've done time trials around that, around that lock. On yeah. The bike. I... I've done, uh, I've done them um, like, um, I've done the bike leg of triathlons. So yeah. some swimmer will do the bit and then whatever I'll do the bike. Yeah. 
lovely part of the world. It's a nice part of the world, man. It's a, it's a great wee day there. Um, my brother always tells a funny story about the first time he did the triathlon. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, you're burning thousands of calories and you're exhausted. So obviously, uh, afterwards, they're like, we'll go down into the village for a pint. He says he had two pints again. He was absolutely shit-faced. <laughs> I started crying in the back of the van. Like, my dad just drove up in the wee van, threw me in the back of it. I started crying. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Fucking, I'm a bit. That's what's wrong with me. I think I might be dying. <laughs> <laughs> But <laughs> well, here, right, so the wee question here from Davy Lennon. May as well hit you with this. Um, and then we're going to talk about the Premier League and football, and then we're going to wrap her up. This is cool. Oh, I, I might do two, make two episodes out of this. this is cool. I sure I had to do that when I had you in my podcast. I had to cut it into two because was like, Jesus Christ, can't aye. stop these two arm men talking. Arm men fucking slabbers, I. So, uh, what is your? He's got two questions. First one: What's Hello. your favorite? Who's your favorite drummer of all time? Uh, oh, favorite drummer probably Josh Freeze. Josh Freeze. Josh Freeze played in the Vandals, and he's also the tour drummer for. He's played in a Perfect Circle, Nine Inch Nails. He's played for Britney Spears. He's a he's a, a session guy, but the first band I ever heard of him in was a band I love called the Vandals, who are a, a punk band from California. And then I started looking around at all the other work he's done. Like he plays for Sting, you know what I mean? He's he's just Aye. incredible. Talent, he can put himself to any style. Aye. So yeah. a proper a proper percussionist drummer. Yes, he's amazing as well. But he started off in the punk scene in California when he was a kid. His his brother uh, Jason Freeze is the the tour musician for Green Day as well. So they're a musical family. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, one of those families. Everybody can play everything. You know what I mean? So. Aye. Josh Freeze, class. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um. So, second question is a bit. This is a bit um out there, but sure. See what you think. In your opinion, what are the long-term psychological ramifications of this pandemic on each age group, and how we interact and socialize? Will we all naturally become more introvert and reclusive? Hmm. I think. I think a lot of society was a danger doing that anyway. We're we're electronically connected around the world, and yet I know people younger than me. I, this is something I didn't realize because obviously I'm interacting within my age group. But there's a weird thing now. I think even before the pandemic, people who can't take a phone call. You ever? I I said mentioned this to you earlier on. Have you ever experienced this? Where people, yeah, you phone people, phone. you phone people, and they don't phone you back, and they yeah. they text you, "What's wrong?" I'm like, "Answer your fucking phone. That's what's wrong." So. <laughs> But they don't, they've got no phone etiquette as well. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Nice to talk to you. Goodbye. I was just like, yeah. and the bit in the middle is whatever. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I think that, I mean, that was probably something we were, we were heading to before, yeah. before pandemic. But look, pandemic's not fucking helping. The one, the main one I feel sorry for, and I was chatting to my mate about this the other day, is young people. See, yeah. but 17 to 25, you're supposed, you are supposed to be out. Chatting up women and drinking and complete ball bag. Being a clown, you need to figure out how to be a clown to figure out how not to be a clown when you're thirty. <laughs> so fucking lootly. Yeah, I still haven't figured it out. But if yeah, if anybody knows, could just yeah. contact Andy and he can tell me. Uh, yeah, I'll pass it on. It doesn't have the same. I, 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 as I said earlier on, I have a nineteen-year-old daughter. She moved up to Belfast last year to go to college. This shit happened. She's now up there. It was supposed to be the best years of her fucking life. 
Yeah. She can't even, she can't even go to a pub. She can't go to a meal. She can't she can do fuck what. She's bored to death. Literally bored to death. Says she is. You're supposed to be out with your friends. You're supposed to be drinking bucky in somebody's backyard in the summertime. You know what I mean? Making all the mistakes in the world and getting on with it and just never mind. No one got hurt. Will 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 take a lesson of life out of it. And, Absolutely. Yeah. I feel I feel probably worse for those people. And I feel yeah. um, psychologically, I feel bad for um, very 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 elderly people because obviously. Um, loneliness there's a big thing there are people who don't have i'm very lucky that i come from two very big families so everybody's very well connected and mm-hmm. um when my grandmother was alive we would all be over there visiting we we still maintain the thing um when my granny was alive where we go to bestbrook if i was home on a friday night there was a big pot of soup put on and it was proper throwback to you know the the factory workers and the mill workers all hanging out afterwards like so every friday night was over to granny's and catch up with the family yeah so yeah. soup night as it became known yeah, certainly. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. That's uh, I know it's it's it is amazing. I was I heard yesterday of so, some guy. I think it was maybe a Twitter thing that went up. Yeah, he says he's he hasn't been out of the house from March. And so an fucking old, hell, an old gent of eighty. And I said, oh my God, this is, this, you know, you think you've got a tough. That must be mind melting. Yeah, I think it, it probably comes from the, I mean, obviously the different responses of the different p- places. And I know you've talked about this on your podcast as well, where the other day there's there's a music festival in New Zealand. I'm currently missing the Fringe Festival in Perth in Australia, mm. which is on. These are these things are all on. I've, I've mates that I met when I gigged in Vietnam. I met a lot of comedians over there. They're, they're just doing their normal thing now. And so, we're so still at this. The, the countries that you used to live in. So you're the connective tissue. Or, no, Canada's still fucked. No, they're, fucked <laughs> no, they're a bunch of fucking idiots too, just like us. Yeah. The, the, thing, the thing that infuriates me with our thing, with our approach to this, and it's the same as yourself, I guess, I'm going to assume, is uh, I keep saying to people, we don't have to invent anything. It's been done. All we have to do is go to New Zealand and say, how did you do this? Yeah. Can we do, can, and can we do this too? Of course you fucking can. Now, what, one of the arguments against that, and while I agree with you, the argument that has been put to me is that at this point, New Zealand did it well because they did it early. New, Australia was the same, where they were just like, that's it, closed, yeah. fucking airports the whole day. They were like, uh, whereas obviously over here, UK and Ireland, uh, I think you've pointed out it's the, the capitalist system. We're like, no, we need to keep them fucking taxes ticking in here, boys. So keep it open. Well, yeah. like the half open, half closed thing. It's evident doesn't work yeah. when they're like, oh, we're on lockdown. We're just like, we're on, we're sort of on lockdown. We're on lockdown a bit. Yeah. And it's fucking terrible because it it's it just it, it, prolong. It, it, it kicks the can down the road. Whereas yeah. New Zealand went, uh, we've closed the airports. Uh, get all your shopping order in. You have about five or six days to get yourself organized. Everybody fucking headed out, got their bits and pieces in the house for four weeks. And they're back out again. My mate, Tommy, who I mentioned about earlier on, lives in Auckland. He was like, we're in the house for four weeks. Bit boring, bit shite. Hung out with the kids, watched everything on Netflix, and then we write the door and back to work, and a and a kind of soft return thing. Yeah, so this absolutely, it could. I, I agree. I agree with that completely. I mean, no matter what, if we did it tomorrow, there's still a hundred thousand people in Britain and whatever amount of thousands of people in Ireland are no longer with us because of this fucking disaster. But um, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's it is beyond belief, and it is, it is there. I mean. Again, another another tweet that I read yesterday. Somebody says, "You know, is it 
I, I gently suggest that uh, if the government kept the economy open or, 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 or kept the COVID response the way they kept it in order to protect the economy, but we still end up with 100,000 people dead, we maybe need to think about replacing the government. <laughs> yeah, I, I think at, a, at any point, if money ever becomes more important than a single human life, then we're yeah. fucked as a society anyway. Well, that was what Jacinda Ardern said right from, from, from day one. She says one death is one death too many, and I refuse to accept it. Like one, yeah. Our Prime Minister, the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, of Great Britain and Ireland, went on the TV yesterday and made everybody fucking feel sorry for him because he balls everything up. And there's a hundred thousand... The, the, that book, the, the, the graphic novel, I love them. I love reading graphic novels, and it, it turned it into a movie, V for Vendetta. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Um, I have read the Alan Moore, fantastic Alan Moore. work. That, that was, and that was written in the 80s. That's exactly. fucking mental. In that, the government unleashed a virus on the population, and 100,000 people die in it, and then everyone starts, it starts a civil, it almost starts a civil war. You know, yep. it is as 100,000 people. We've reached that disgusting milestone you know and, and it leads to a fascist government in the in the fictional world yeah exa exactly but um yeah right okay so we're going to finish up uh premier league thoughts i my thoughts are you wouldn't have fucking asked me about this only united got beat last night <laughs> no, 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 no 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 you're absolutely you're, you're absolutely right yep yeah. <laughs> uh do you know what? This is this is pure karma because I I fully enjoyed Burnley beating Liverpool far too much last week. I was like, uh, yeah. all the teams that went to Anfield, the Man City's, the Tottenham's, the Man United's, and just could not beat fucking Liverpool. And then Burnley playing some of the worst football I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, well, not not as bad as Liverpool. <laughs> I know, I know, but just uh, it was like Sheffield last night, yeah. just the anti-football grinding points. But that's, I mean, look. Same point. I understand that that's what those teams have to do. They're like, right, we're not going to get three points here. Let's get a point. And then, fuck, it happens. It just happens sometimes for you. Bernie did it last week. Sheffield United did it last week to us. The arse of the table, a team that would probably still get relegated, and they've beaten Manchester United 2-1 at Old Trafford. Yeah, it's amazing. It is absolutely amazing. The Premier League this year is, I mean, I do. it's obviously because of, you know, the, the COVID situation is playing such, I mean, it, it is the third man that's, that's out there fucking spooking everybody. With, with yeah. the fans in the stadium, and then the way they have to train, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 all it's fucking here. It's all over the place. Liverpool are fucking shambles. You know, as you know, I'm a Liverpool fan, and you know, I've I've watching Liverpool this past couple of years has been a real treat for me as a fan. The type of football yeah. they played, the attitude, the you know, the Jurgen Klopp magic he has. He's a he's a fucking he's a he's a magnetic character, and then. In the space of, <laughs> in the space of it felt like minutes, all of a sudden we're getting beat by fucking Accurate and Stanley. <laughs> yeah, I think with that point as well was it's, it's probably more much scarier now because this year the league is much tighter at the top. Like every fucking weekend, if one person loses, they drop four spots. You know what I mean? That's right. Yeah. But look what happened. Sure, look, Man City were ninth a week ago. Now they're up the top of the game in hand so here here comes the charge you know what i mean were, i was listening to a podcast weeks ago and someone called it someone said watch city don't write them off don't dare don't absolutely you know they've got they've got the fucking class they're, you know, they're littered with class you know so yeah it's absolutely insane but that, that result last night was you know i think i caught everybody by surprise you know because because you know united have been um because of the form United have had over the past few months. 
Well, the one I said was like I watched. Um, I watched both the United Liverpool games, so the three-two FA Cup. But the week before, the game was so poor. I, I, so I, I was working that day. I came home and I was like, right, United Liverpool, it's a big deal. I fell asleep. That's how bad that game was. Shit. I got... A, I fell asleep. It was absolutely... Yeah. I, I, I think I started drifting off into the, the world of Twitter in the middle of it. Yeah. Sort, just... of, sort of, you know, yeah, absolutely. Again, the, the, I'll tell you how bad it was. A bet app I have... Bet three six five. I was telling you about, which you know, not sponsored better, and I haven't mentioned it twice. They give me me and me and Richie put a tenner on Liverpool to win. I think it was three one or something like that. Which as a Liverpool fan, you know, we're, we're hoping that they win three one. Then we throw a tenner at it. But they're the dream. Yeah, exactly. They they give us the money back as they call it a, <laughs> a, a bo a bore a bore draw. Is a, a no bore draw? <laughs> <laughs> it was because the match was so boring. The batting fucking company give you your bat back. Yeah. Do you, do you think the other thing as well is I watched a brilliant documentary uh, called The Three Kings, which is about it's on um, it's on I think it's on Amazon. I know you're not a fan of theirs, but if you if you do use your streaming service, um, mm. it's about Bill Shankly, Jock Stein, and Matt Busby who were all born within 30 miles of each other. I haven't seen it. So I'm aware of it though, yeah. It's fantastic. Now, Jock Stein once said, without fans who pay at the turnstile, football is nothing. So, I think it's weird, it's weird watching games where they're like, oh, we've got crowd noise on the broadcast. I'm like, well, that's fucking strange. It is strange. I think it's shit without it though. I, I've, I've watched loads yeah. of Yeah. I watch most of the games without it and then if I have an option for the crowd noise, I... I find myself putting it on, and I know it's bullshit. I know it's shit. But what's funny as well is without the crowd noise, um, AC Milan played Inter Milan the other night, and mm. Romeo Lukaku and uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, mm. because there was no noise, they were basically trying to fight each other on the pitch. Really? Or Lukaku was off. Was it was like Lukaku was offering him outside. He was in the <laughs> middle of a fucking football match. He's like, "Come on, car park, come on." Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, stuff that you don't hear when there's fifty thousand people. Yeah, I'll I'll send you I'll send you the clip later on. And obviously, the wee guy with the microphones because the pitch side mics they turn those up and down as the ball as the ball's traveling past, so they can hear what's happening. That's why you always hear that lovely thump when somebody kicks a ball. But that guy's been far busier now because you can't you can hear the coaches, so you'll you'll always you'll always hear the occasional swear word get put. You know, you'll hear a coach be like, "Fucking get him!" (laughs) (laughs) And then they apologize at halftime. We're sorry if you heard any offensive language there. Yeah. Yeah. Which is which is brilliant. But no, who's your the thing is as well, like myself and Jordan Robinson, we do the injury time podcast, which is a wee sports podcast, and we talk about oh, football. Yeah. Um we had uh what was the last one? We had an Arsenal fan on. We're trying to we're trying to get fans basically of different clubs. So we've had an Arsenal fan on, we've had a Newcastle fan on, you know, try and sort you'll of go have, out of the have, out of the way. Talk, you'll have to talk to my friend Richie McGee as well, and he's a he's a football encyclopedia. He's got his again, he's got his own podcast here, keepy keepy uppies, and he does it sort of mostly around the, the local scene tries to tries to to talk to the local clubs and you know all all the all the b leagues and all this sort of stuff and it's absolute but it's brilliant it's took off gangbusters for him who does he who does richie sport he liverpool man as well it's me and richie we're both mad liverpool fans eh? we yeah cool yeah get him on surely we have um Hi. what's what we got coming up with i found a wolves fan i don't know where he was hiding uh there's a wolves fan <laughs> Another another musician, yeah, a guy called Connor Scott from Port of Ferry. He's a he's a he's a Wolves man in Cliftonville, and I was like, Jesus Christ, man, you couldn't pick a fucking team if you were told to. <laughs> um, 
Uh, says me, the fucking Yuri fan. But anyway. Um, uh, well, that's by birth. Yeah, exactly. Stupid by yeah. birth. I know I, yeah. that's one of the other things as well. <laughs> it's really hard to explain to people whenever you're traveling around the world. I'm like, so when you pick, you get to pick your soccer club. You're just like, who do you fancy following? So in my house, I have two older brothers. One's a Liverpool fan. One's a United fan. I was like, I go United because when I was a kid, they weren't winning everything. So I was like, well, this yeah. will be good. I think they won an, they won an FA Cup in like 1986. Yeah. And then obviously we bought our Cantona and the good times rolled for 20 years, which was great. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're back to the thing. So um, <laughs> funny enough, now the Liverpool fan has taken an interest in football again. Kill surprise. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll be honest. But, um, yeah, I, I, it was much like myself. I, I had a very pa- passing interest in football until Liverpool started getting good again. Um, I, I, I dipped out of it with the Premier League, with the money, the way the money went, you know, being an anti-capitalist and all the rest of it, it kind of sickened me. But I, I, I completely sold out and bought into the whole idea when we started winning things again. <laughs> well, my um, my cousin, I feel worse then for my cousin, a guy called Colin Matthews, who is a diehard Liverpool fan. Always has been, always will be. And he's just had years of... His his year used to be defined by if they could beat United or beat a, a big team. That was, that was as far as you went. When the FA Cup was a much bigger deal than it is, yeah, trying that, but yeah, the, the whole thing. I mean, the league, the league itself has probably been a fucking disaster since Roman Abramovich bought Chelsea, and then Chelsea, who went from mid-table nothingness to winning a few leagues in a row because mm. they just had the checkbook. Man City did the same. Mm. There's a, it's kind of weird. You need you need a billionaire owner to compete, which, which is kind of grim because there's none of those, there's none of those great romantic stories like the the Lisbon Lions, the Celtic team that won the first ever European Cup for a, a club in the British Isles. They them boys were all from Glasgow. You know what I mean? That was a team that was built up of players from the local area. Absolutely. You don't, you're not going to have that romanticism. The reason you love football is those great days that probably just doesn't happen anymore. Whenever, yeah, you know, when you can't pronounce half your own fucking team, that's a problem. Yeah, yeah well, exactly. And uh, you know, yeah. the, you're absolutely right. And you know, it's um, uh, uh, for us at the minute at Liverpool, you know, the big problem we have is with our centre back and our our centre backs. What centre backs? That's the problem. We're sitting here. We put. We pulled a fucking. Um, we pulled a nineteen-year-old off loan from Kidderminster Harriers, and he's now playing in the Premier League. And he's like a startled bunny. He's way out of his depth. God love him. Uh, he, he's probably going to be a brilliant footballer when he grows up, but he's not at Premier League level, and he's exposed the whole team. The rest of the team, by the way, are not scoring goals. We know that the front three. Are fucking invisible until the other day when Mo Salas put two in, two in the bag. Um, it's great to see him scoring again. That was considered a victory. That's how fucking bad we got. And well, what's F- mad about that is FSG like our owners three people who could score. Well, exactly. Yeah, true. F- FSG our owners haven't sprung. When I the way I look at it is, and I'm not blaming the FSG because they're very astute business people and they kept the club in the black and all the rest of it, and they're running a business. They're not just going to throw millions at something to fix something if it's going to put them in hock which is you know i it's, it's a good thing but whenever you're pulling the 19 year old who off loan from Kidderminster harriers to play in the press somebody needed to pull the fucking ripcord and go guys we're in trouble yeah but you have um i mean man united are owned by the glazers who are i mean those guys are fucking bond villains to us you know what i mean <laughs> yes. where they have they they were about as well thought about by fans of the club as like Mike Ashley is by Newcastle fans. Um, but, I mean, the, the way the work it is that's been sort of seen to be happening is Glazers own Manchester United, which is one of the biggest clubs in the world. Sure. And 
they have i think somebody whenever they sort of had the you know the books are open then what, what are you doing with the money or what, what's happening they have a various consultancy fees that they also own that man united pays to work for the club so they're taking money out of the club without just going you know there's there's the, the big worry of yeah they fucking are there's the big there's the big worry that it's going to be well they're worse they're americans um <laughs> the big worry that it's going to come down to you know, I mean, they're going to take all the value out of the club and then it's going to be sold yeah. for a pound on the stock market. You know, one of those things where it's just oh, like, Jesus, that's, yeah. that's terrifying. Yeah, but that's the rules. That's the rules. That's the way it's allowed to, you know, for, for me, um, a club, a football club, be it a GA club or a soccer club, it doesn't matter. It's of the community. It's It has to have its roots. It's not a fran like the American franchise. They can take the LA Raiders and plant them, you know, in the middle of it the other side of the country because it's a Which they have done the raiders have, have moved three times <laughs> exactly and they've done it i mean the la lakers the basketball team they're from they're originally from minnesota i think which is the original. yeah where there's loads of lakes where that's lakes. why <laughs> that's why they're called the la that's the lakers that's what that call it's fucking unbelievable you know yeah and so the the, the 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 problem is you're turning these teams into sports franchises which is the americanization of the sport and if that's the way it's to go, that's the way it's to go. But you need to understand that what you're losing is your community roots. You're, you're a club of the community, first and foremost. And without your community, you have nothing. Yeah, I think from that as well, it's very hard. The funniest thing I've seen um, that's been on the t on the TV broadcast when you're watching funny is whenever people... Uh, so when the teams are still doing the, the kneeling before the kickoff, the Black Lives Matter thing, yeah. And then um, sometimes above the clock and above the scoreboard, it'll say Black Lives Matter. So it's a thing. So whenever, whenever people are, are on Twitter saying Black Lives Matter are a Marxist organization, I'm like, number one, you probably don't know what Marxism is. And number two, they're not a Marxist organization if they're being advertised in one of the biggest fucking sporting leagues in the world. <laughs> I'm telling you now. <laughs> uh, the Marxism thing makes me laugh. I, I yeah. you know, like yourself, you know, a a little bit of knowledge about a lot of things and. When I hear people say, you know, oh, it's Marxism, and I say, oh, what's your problem with Marxism? Yeah, and they, they can't. There's no answer. They go, well, it's, it's 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 no. You literally have no idea what you're talking about. You've been how you gonna be mad at Marx? He had a great beard. <laughs> great beard, oh, great beard. Oh, lovely man, lovely man, lovely man. Here, let's uh, start. I'm gonna have to wrap this up because I have another thing here to do at twelve o'clock. I will let you go. I'm going to split this up into two episodes, as you said, two two larger, or two hour mile men, just talking shit and you, they won't stop. So I want to thank you very much for being. You're actually my first, um, sort of Zoom guest. I've had, ah. uh, I've had a couple of guests on ages ago when I was filming these, and but I, I you know, and I sort of just, yeah, I'm not, I'm not the most regular person with these things, but um, so I want to thank you for being my first guest. I wish you all the best. Oh, I meant to ask you too. I should have started with this. How's, how did you get over the COVID? Um, dead on. I mean, I'm hopefully somewhere young, fit and healthy. So mm. I had about three or four days of feeling horrendous. But I was I was panicking because I'm asthmatic. So I was worried about the cough and the, uh, the breathing. But I that, that luckily enough wasn't one of the symptoms I got. So mine was more like aches and pains, fever thing, which was shit. Didn't get out of my bed for four days. And then uh, the fatigue's definitely a thing as well, where you, whenever you feel physically fine, but then you're like, I'll go downstairs and watch TV. You walk downstairs and you're knackered. You fell asleep again. You know, that, that can happen. 
So um, wouldn't wish it on anybody. Um, no. Wash your hands, that play, folks. Wash your hands, wear your mask, all the whole crack. Um, try and over it now? look after each other. Is there any I'm over it now, but I even whenever I even whenever I was out of my isolation, and then a few days later, myself and a friend of mine we were like, right, we can do the social distancing in the park. So we went over and talked the hurdles over, and we're just uh. knocking a ball back and forward. And after about half an hour, I was shattered. So. Oh dear. A lot of the boys in the team are back doing sort of five Ks in preseason training, and I'm like, fuck, I don't know about that. <laughs> so really? we'll, uh, oh dear. Yeah, we'll have to see. I'm back. I mean, I'm back. I'd able to walk the dogs and stuff, but uh, yeah, I'm back to work. So and how um, long, how long ago was it you had it? It's a couple of weeks now. It was uh, I got it. What are we on now? Um, as I say, so I probably I would have got it just probably when I went back to work. So early January. Because I was shitting myself then. I was worried that I'd maybe got it at Christmas or taken it home at Christmas, but thankfully I hadn't. So that's why everyone else is sweet in the family. Because my, my mommy's asthmatic as well, and she's a bit older than me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, but no, I'm, I'm okay. Uh, and I would say, to, you know, look after yourselves, look after your neighbours, folks, because it's not fun. It's not, it's not the fucking chicken pox. You don't want to go get it. No. Even if the Tories are proposing that they're going to give you £500 if you fucking test positive for it, don't listen to that shit either. That's, oh, my God. That's I don't even want to say yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Let's go to wrap it up, Darn. I can't thank you enough. I really appreciate it, buddy. And um hopefully maybe we'll 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 see you at a gig soon this year and maybe maybe I'll get up to when we're able to maybe get up to East Belfast and knock a ball about with you. Absolutely. You're more than welcome. And uh, if anybody's interested, look us up online and come join in when you're able to. At present we're you know, we can't train together, but we're we're still very much a community group, so we keep we're still keeping in touch with everybody. It's been a great um one of the other things as well is I implemented the sort of program among the hurlers, just asking everybody to pick a man every week and give him a message and see how he's getting on. Keep everybody right. sort of right in the head. Absolutely. And do, do you want to tell folks how they can get in touch with you, where to find you? Yeah, I mean, like East Belfast, yeah, you type that in. Yeah, there'll be plenty of news stories, but ignore all that and just uh, yeah, get us through the get us through the Twitter if you're interested in joining. There'll be a, a contact email there for um, how to join up and all our sort of bits and bobs. What about your podcast? My podcast is Darren Matthews and Sometimes Friends, which I actually just got back to recording a few there because I was doing two a week when I was on furlough, but I was back to work and back training, so I wasn't doing as many, but I'm back now, so... Uh, yeah, there's three series of that. I think of 40, uh, 40 odd episodes there. And every episode is different. It's not sort of set into different dates and times. So go back, find somebody that you know and pick an episode and enjoy it. Brilliant. Okay, Darren. Thanks a million, mate. No bother, Andy. I will see, see you later on. Take care, my good man. Love to everybody. And the best love to everybody. Take care, man. You too, bud. See you later.